Welcome to the Wesleyan Storytelling Project. I'm Mia Lobel, class of 1997. This week we hear an extended interview with Michael Lewis, class of 2003. I'm Michael Lewis, the Wesleyan class of 2003. I am a native of Philadelphia, but I live in New York City now. I work for Teach for America. Um, I am the senior managing director of constituent strategy and insights. So basically I do market research for Teach for America. Great. So tell me about your first, what, what drew you to Wesleyan? Mm -hmm. why, why Wesleyan? What did you know about it before you came here? The first thing I knew about Wesleyan were that we had family friends that went here. And that was an automatic no-no. So when I was in Connecticut first, on the way back from visiting schools in Boston, my mom said, oh, we should go over to Wesleyan. We're going to be at Trinity. I said, no, thank you. Uh, so we went back to Philadelphia and then uh, met my new college counselor who uh, was from the Northeast. And my school didn't send many people to Wesleyan. But he talked to me, heard about my interest, heard that I was really interested in politics and the social sciences. And he recommended I check out Wesleyan. And uh, of course, then someone else said it, then it meant we should go visit. So we came up and it ended up being fall break at Wesleyan. So there weren't many students. And we walked around, had the information session. And I just remember thinking, boy, I could really go here. And it was not about one particular program. It just was a feeling. And my parents said, we actually could see you here too. And it was the first place where we all kind of were in agreement. This kind of felt right. And so I ended up applying early decision phase two, which at least back then, it may still be the same way. You apply with everyone else who's applying regular, but you basically say you'll definitely come if you get accepted and you find out a little bit earlier. So I found out in uh, February and that was quite the moment. I came home from school early, saw the big envelope, wasn't sure if that meant they mailed back my application or if I got in, but I opened it, saw that I was welcomed into the class of 2003 and at the time, someone was painting in our house. And I went up to him and I said, I'm going to college. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And I went back to school and told everyone and was very happy. Now, knowing, having gone through Wesleyan now, mm -hmm. what do you think it was that both you and your parents mm -hmm. saw that, that was so appropriate for mm -hmm. you? Well, it was a school that was had a lot of options. So it's still university status, but not huge. And I came from a very small school. My graduating class in high school was 69 people. So coming from a small school, even to Wesleyan, it's still larger. But I thought, and I think my parents thought I'd be overwhelmed by a school that was too big. But also being in a large city, which is where I wanted to be, I think also would have caused a lot of distractions. Um, and the fact that Wesleyan was known for being so socially aware and people were so active, I think my parents also saw that as something that would be good for me. And I also thought it'd be good for me. Um, and there'd be a lot of different activities that I could be a part of um, and be involved on campus. What are some of the things you got involved with? What are some of your sort of strongest mm -hmm. memories of your time here? I was on the WSA. I was uh, vice president of WSA. I also was senior class president. And it's interesting because I couldn't really get elected to anything in high school. So the fact that I came to Wesleyan and freshman year ran for freshman representative, um, it was all on a whim. Like they had gotten uh, in petitions and not enough people ran for the nine spots available. So then they started asking for more people to apply. And I did. And I think maybe 10 people in total ended up running for nine spots. I got in. So needless to say, it wasn't that competitive an election. But I got in and liked it and met some great people. Uh, many of which I'm still friends with to this day, and then uh, decided to, you know, try to stay involved with that. 
I also, it's not a club, but it felt like it to a certain extent. I became a CSS major. So, uh, and joining the College of Social Studies was definitely a defining moment. Um, I put that in my category of, I always like being surrounded by people I feel are a lot smarter than me because it gives me something to kind of strive for. And I definitely felt like I'd be in the room with my classmates and I'm like, boy, these people are really, really smart. Let me not say anything stupid. Um, so it really gave me a lot to kind of just challenge myself. Um, I also, um, what else did I do? I was on Wesleyan Democrats, uh, freshman year. I was very active freshman year and ended up becoming head of the Wesleyan Democrats my sophomore year, which was interesting because while involved with the Wesleyan Democrats, it was during the 2000 election. So I ended up doing all this stuff. I became a big Bill Bradley supporter. So I was his town coordinator for Middletown. At the time I joined the Connecticut Caucus of Democrats um, because I was involved with Wesleyan Democrats and they're like the progressive wing of the Democratic Party in Connecticut. I went to um, Canvas in New Hampshire. I also went to, once I got to the general election, I went to debate watch party um, in Boston when Gore was first debating Bush. It just, all this stuff I dreamed about since I was so into politics growing up, I got to participate in like right off the bat. So it, it was an amazing experience. Um, and I also did things like I was on a debate team. I uh, was a member of Skull and Serpent, which was definitely an interesting experience. I, I thought it didn't exist. So I wasn't one of those people thinking about it. And then when the opportunity came to join, I, uh, I did and made some really good lasting friendships with people who I probably wouldn't have met or at least been that close to otherwise. Um, so had a lot of great experiences while I was here. I, I was going to ask who, you know, when you, when you think about, you know, when you, when you kind of close your eyes and picture campus, mm -hmm. like who, who are you with and mm -hmm. what are you doing and, and what kinds of conversations mm -hmm. are you having? Sometimes I picture myself with friends from CSS and I actually went to a baby shower for one of my CSS classmates uh, last weekend and she and I, her name's Shayna and Jillian, the three of us would always be kind of talking about what work we had to do and uh, kind of talking about what we we're going to do once we left college. And it's just interesting seeing how, you know, things turn out afterwards. Um, two of the three of us became lawyers, not me. <laughs> so that was interesting. But then I also think about my friend Matt, who uh, I met in WSA. On paper, we couldn't seem more different. He was from central Pennsylvania. I was from Philadelphia. And that kind of says it all, because if you're from Pennsylvania, Philadelphia is starkly different than basically the rest of the state. The only place similar is Pittsburgh. And um, and so he and I became very close. And I was at his wedding last year, um, visited him uh, in Europe because he lives in uh, Switzerland. It's just interesting to see how things play out. And he and I were really close friends. So I remember a lot of times hanging out with him. Um, then I also think about uh, people like my friend Bobby, who I also met in WSA, but we kind of hung out with another different set of folks. And I just saw him in DC because he's a producer on a, a new show for MSNBC. And we talk politics all the time. And I'll text him up. I'll say, your boss just said something really crazy on air right now. He'll text back and say, yeah, I know. And so it's, it's great. What is the thing that you're proudest of mm -hmm. in your time at Wesleyan? I'm proudest of completing CSS. I definitely didn't think I could do it. Um, I signed up for it and applied, got in, in the summer before sophomore year, because it starts sophomore year, I was interning in Ohio and I called my parents up and said, you know what, I'm gonna like drop out. I'm not gonna do it. I think it's a bit too much for me. There's a lot of reading and I like, reading, I'm a slow reader, it'll take too long. I think it'll be too much for me. And I have so many other things going on that I wanna be involved in. 
And my mother just said, just wait to the end of the summer. Why are you going to like drop out over the summer? It has no material difference if you do that. And she started talking to a friend of hers who was one of those family friends who went here. He was not a CSS alum. He was class of 73. But he said to my mom, he's like, Kathy, you can't let him drop out of that major. I'm telling you, he has to do it. Like, trust me, he will regret it. And my mom delivers the message to me. And I'm like, seriously, like you're discussing this with your friends now. So I stayed in and I'm really happy, happy that I did. And it was very difficult. I mean, it was probably one of the most challenging experiences I've had to date. Um, everything from the amount of work to even just the type of work. I mean, it was reading really dense material. Um, and the part that I remember the most was during senior comprehensive exams, part of the history exam given by Professor Miller was you had to draw a map of Europe freehand. So you got a white piece of paper, you draw a map of Europe, call out like the different countries. And by the way, you also do a list of all the proper names of countries, not just, oh, it's Ireland. No, it's the Republic of Ireland. Oh, it's the Archduke uh, of Luxembourg. You had to do all that. It's not Vatican City. It's the Holy See. And the fact that I still remember this says something. Um, and it was, one, it's valuable information because you really need to know where places are located so you can have a conversation about like what's their significance and how does that play into different parts of their history. But more importantly, it's a task that you that requires you to use a whole different side of your brain that you don't always do. And it just really holds you to account to really understand some key things. And at first I was really upset. I was like, I can't believe I have to do this. And I was quite frankly, a little bit indignant. And in hindsight, I knew that was wrong, but it was just such a valuable thing. And I, I definitely owe Professor Miller a lot for that, but for just being such a rigorous professor and caring so much for her students and that they would leave her class with an understanding of, uh, at least in that class, uh, European history that they probably couldn't get many other places and from many other professors. I was going to ask mm. how, who some of the other professors mm. are that really were had had an important mm. impact on mm. you, mm. Um, especially looking back. Professor Miller was one. The other was a professor by the name of Gail Pemberton. Uh, she was an African-American studies in English. And she's the first instructor of English I've ever had who actually thought I could write. Um, I went to prep school for nine years. Um, and I loved my prep school. And I, I love it more now, probably, to be honest. Um but I went through the English department there and it was almost like I could never break out of a B minus. It was just not possible. And it was a rigorous school, but I also felt like it, I can't be that bad, but it always felt that way. I mean, when I first started writing papers there, I could write it multiple times, multiple drafts, show it to the professor, show it to the teacher and still not get a great grade. I came here and granted, I feel like I had good grounding from the prep school I came from. But I wrote a paper once and for the class, and before she handed it back to everyone, it was Introduction to African American Studies. And so it was one of those times where it was a mix of content that I was really interested in and, you know, having this assignment. And she said, a lot of people didn't do well. Uh, you guys should go to the writing tutor or come to me or do both, see the TA. And I was just getting prepared for, like, not getting a good grade. And she's like, if you got below like an 85, you can do a rewrite. And I strongly encourage it. And in my head, I'm getting ready for the rewrite. I'm like, okay, I'll do my rewrite. I'm thinking about how I'll plan my schedule. I get the paper back. I turn it over. Everybody around me is like seeing their paper going like, Ugh. and I got an A minus. And she wrote like, good job on the paper. I was shocked. 
I was like, wait a second, I can't write well. I couldn't get above a B minus in most English classes in high school. How'd I get an A minus on ostensibly one of my first papers at Wesleyan? And the professor said I did a good job. Like this just can't be true. And it gave me a lot of confidence because I knew I came in thinking, boy, this is gonna be a major deficiency. And by the time I left, I, I don't think of that. I think of that as a strength for, for me. And it started there. And I just needed the confidence. And I think it allowed me to even improve um, how I even went about writing and helped me even have enough confidence to even think about applying to CSS. What else do you think mm. changed in your perspective, mm. you know, before Wesleyan and in your, in your first couple mm. of years at Wesleyan mm. versus the later years? Mm. Like, how did you change as a person? Mm. As a person, I definitely felt like I became much more open-minded. I came here from a very sheltered upbringing with uh, my view of the world. And I don't know if I always was open to not even just different opinion, but just very unique ways of analyzing issues or people of a lot of very different backgrounds. Um, to a certain extent, I was, but Philadelphia is a very dichotomous city. It's very black, white, rich, poor. Um, and it was really hard to break through that. And I went to a prep school where I was definitely one of very few people of color, but I really felt like there was an opportunity for me to be able to broaden my horizons on the types of people I knew. Um, and it did that for me here. So when I meet people now, it's for somebody to be totally different than I am, that doesn't make me uncomfortable at all. I actually enjoy that. I wouldn't have said that before. I think I would have had a good line about how diversity is important and would have technically believed it. But now I feel like I totally understand that much more especially just people having very different approaches to life um, and different value systems that is not one's right or wrong, but just saying, you know what, I can have an appreciation for that. Um, I studied abroad in West Africa and that definitely had played a role in it. I, I get into arguments all the time. I have a good friend who works for a pro-democracy organization. She's a West alum. And I said, you know what, I went to places and I had people tell me about when they had like their king before the West came in and conquered them. And it actually seemed like it worked pretty well. And she, how can you say that? And I was like, well, I don't know if I ascribe my value system to everyone. Like, um, And so it really gives way for some interesting conversations that I don't think I would have ever said before. I think I would have said the exact same thing she said. But I saw this and I said, well, I don't know. Maybe I don't have the answer. Um, I know that people should be treated well, but I don't always know if the way I go about doing it or the place I live and how we do it is always the best way. And it just teaches me to question. And I, I don't think I would have questioned some of those things before. What are some other just mm. stories or, mm. or interesting things that mm. happened to you mm. while you were while you were at West? Something that, mm. that really pops to mind, that quintessential Wesleyan moment. Quintessential Wesleyan. There's two things. Um, one, I think, set me up for the other. Um, Wesleyan taught me how to negotiate. Um, and I mean, I used to negotiate like, you know, back and forth with my parents about stuff. But, but I remember sophomore year, I'm walking uh, near South College. And I find out that students had taken over the president's office. And I'm like, are you serious? So I contact the president of the WSA. And I said, Andrew, uh, these students, and it was basically over a tenure case for, or not even a tenure case. They were, the university was going to let go a adjunct professor who'd been here for years, Howard Bernstein. And so students had been kind of fighting the good fight for him for, for at least a year and a half. It was always like very contentious. And finally, it was like going to be his last year and he was going to have to leave. And students had taken over the president's office. And we had been hearing about this in the WSA, but it wasn't like a top of mind issue we were dealing with because it was kind of out of our hands. So I called Andrew, like, what are we going to do? Students have taken over the president's office. 
he's like, I have a paper due tomorrow. I can't like do anything on this right now. I was like, okay. He's like, you need to like go over there and talk to them. And so I went over and I talked to the students briefly. And then I don't know how it happened, but I ended up being in the room with all the senior administrators, like representing a student perspective. I was there with the dean of the college, the provost. Uh, the president at the time was President Bennett, and he was in New York at a fundraiser. So he was on speakerphone. Uh, somebody like a, a lieutenant from the Middletown Police was there, the head of public safety, uh, a couple other administrators. And I'm sitting there at the table, like basically saying, well, you know what, we shouldn't arrest the students and really taking the position of like, can we find some kind of way to defuse the situation without arresting anyone? And so by the time it was all over, it ended maybe like midnight, one o'clock in the morning, the students finally left. And I talked to them, the Middletown police lieutenant talked to them, and they finally agreed to leave and nobody was arrested. Um, the following year, they did get disciplinary actions. And a few people came back to me and said, I can't believe that you were there. I thought we weren't going to you know, get in trouble. I said, I said, you wouldn't get arrested. I said, I couldn't guarantee all of that. Um, but, and it, it wasn't just me, but at the end of the day, it was just interesting having a seat at the table, hearing how people are talking through these issues. Um, and then fast forward to senior year, um, I was senior class president and quite frankly, senior class president is different than WSA in that it's a large social responsibility more than anything. And a lot of planning and just making sure that like senior year is a really good way you like to like cap off your Wesleyan experience. So you have time to, you know, hang out with your friends and do different things. And I thought that was important. I thought it'd be really interesting and different than some of the stuff I had done before. But a major issue creeped up from the following year, which is basically senior week. They have all these senior cocktail events that you go to and they're always on campus, but slowly but surely, like the university didn't want to have those events on campus because students were starting to get rowdy and it involved the university having to use this alcohol license or attaining an alcohol license to do this, which opened up a ton of liability. And they were really worried. And stuff had happened at a bunch of other schools on a much larger scale than some of the small incidents that happened at Wesleyan. So they basically said, we don't want to host really any of these events anymore on campus. And you guys got to figure something out. And people are like, we don't want to lose these events. And if I was a senior class president who lost all these events, I knew that there was going to be hell to pay. So basically, I partnered with the administration, figured out what their concerns were. We figured out an alternate solution. We ended up getting an outside management company to handle the on-campus cocktails where they got their own license. We paid them a fee. I negotiated with the administration that they would pay anything above and beyond what we had paid the prior year so that we would stay flat on costs because we were getting money from the WSA and we knew we couldn't go back and get more. We were basically the first or second largest budget item they had. So they were like, you guys already get a lot of money. We're not going to give you any more money. We ended up running in the black that year. So we left a surplus for the next year's senior class and we raised money by selling senior passes. And it turned out to be really successful, but it all came down to negotiating. And Quite frankly, I won't say it's true to form for Wesleyan because sometimes Wesleyan negotiations start off with a point of hostility where it's like students against the administration. And this one started because I built up all these relationships and where I said, I know you guys have something you want. There's something we want. We can figure out where the middle ground is. And it was never contentious. And it was the first year that the head of student activities sat in on all the senior class officer meetings because typically we'd have our meetings separately and then you go and try to convince them of something as opposed to if you actually have somebody from the administration in the meeting, we're planning parties. This is not that, you know, secret. There's no, there's no strategy. So as stuff would come up, the person who's the head of student activities, her name was Leilani. She'd say, I don't know if people will go for that. What about this? And we'd go back and forth. So by the time we left the meeting, we already had 
director of student activities aligned to something. And we go back to the deans and say, hey, this is what we want to do. And typically at that point, once you got the blessing of the director of student activities, who's probably been talking to all of them already to figure out what they're upset about, or not upset, but what they're concerned about, it just made the process go so much faster. So I learned that to have a very um, confrontational approach to negotiating will always lead, you may get an outcome that you like, but it just makes it so acrimonious. And it was so easy. Like it was unbelievable. It was like textbook of working with the administration on getting these things done. And the students, I mean, not something you advertise it. Hey, you know, we have the administration in our meetings, but they got exactly what they wanted. They wanted these parties. We figured out how to make it happen. No major issues with people getting hurt, no liability issues. It went off without a hitch. And at least for a couple of years after, that was the model of how you set these things up. And it was no thing. Um, and I prided myself on that because I was like, we didn't need to have this be like us first them. It's like, we want to have these parties. I think we can pull this off without anybody being upset. So that's what we did. How have you taken those mm-hmm. lessons with you into mm-hmm. your life outside of Wesleyan, into mm-hmm. your career, or just mm-hmm. your, you know, your other things mm-hmm. that you do in your life now? I think the whole idea of trying to bring people together for consensus and find common ground has been probably a hallmark of my work. Because I my job is I come in, I'm supposed to be an outside observer, so to speak. I do research and I come in and try to give an unbiased perspective. Um, and so basically, sometimes that means there are prevailing views on one side or the other. And I either will bridge it or say that one is right and the other is wrong, but have to do it in a way to not make the person feel put out who may have had the idea that was not you know matching up with the research. Um, and just in general, how I choose to operate with people is one of not about confrontation, but about figuring out what is everyone, what is the interest that we all have and how do we come to some type of common ground. So there are times when it's harder to do that than others, but I definitely felt like I walked away with a tangible lesson of don't always cast the other side as, you know, folks who are highly unreasonable and, you know, we're always just basically there to hold you down because that's not always the case. How has your life been different mm-hmm. because of, because you attended Wesleyan? I think I explored some things that I never would have expected. Um, it's weird because I, I came to Wesleyan and then I left with this corporate job when I first left. And I basically was in private sector for like the last 10 years and just recently switched to nonprofit. When I came here, my expectation was I'm going to go work in government. I want to be an elected official. My goal was I want to be the mayor of Philadelphia one day. And that totally changed. Um, because I really found that you could gain influence and affect the type of change that you want, not always necessarily, you know, through government. And sometimes you could do it more effectively outside of government um, because so many things held you down. I learned that through like Wesleyan Democrats, even through some of the things in student government of how there were some very successful folks on campus, students who had nothing to do with the WSA other than getting a budget allocation. And they were able to affect a ton of change from the outside. Um, And sometimes working with the administration, sometimes working directly opposed to them, but they're able to work things out. So I learned from that. Also learn just from in classes where you learn about how things happen, like in my urban politics class and thinking, you know what, maybe government isn't for me. Um, so I went to the private sector and I kept saying to myself, I'm going to go there and learn these skills and then use them, you know, for good. And I was worried at one point that that was just a line and it wasn't true. And then fortunately I was able to make the transition. Um, but I don't think I would have taken that path. I think I would have done exactly what I said I was going to do when I got here. Uh, I was supposed to be a poli sci major, which I didn't do. I didn't do government. And if I went somewhere else, I think I would have been a poli sci major. I think I would have gone out and tried to get a job working, you know, in D.C. or Philadelphia in politics. And I think it would have been very linear. Um, and I think coming here let me question how I went about doing different things. 
And then last but not least, I definitely feel like for the most part, I found my voice here. And I don't think I knew what that was before I got here. What is that? What is your, I, what do you mean by find your voice? I, this is the most comfortable I ever felt on most levels. And prior to this, I always felt self-contained. Like I was always worried about how I was viewed. And it was because I felt like odd man out for a very long time in the private school I went to. And here I didn't feel that way. And it was odd having the roles be reversed. Before coming to Westland, I can count my friends on one hand easily. Um, And after leaving here, I felt like my circle of friends was so large. It wasn't like I was trying. It was just like how it happened here. Um, and I felt like it was just a lot more openness, but it made it easier for me to be open to other people. I feel like I'm probably closer friends with people I went to high school with now after leaving Westland than I may have been before, while I was there for nine years. That's interesting. Yeah. Is it because you've reconnected with them as a, as a more confident adult or is it? I think so. Cause I think it, it changed my behavior. So it made me be very, I was cagey. I would be very like, I, I was a different person, much different person. Can, can you tell me a little more about how you were different? I was just very, I was always worried about how I was perceived. And I was always, and I felt like I took it on both sides. You take it from like the kids who traditionally went to private school. Then you also took it from some of the newer African-American kids who had come there, um, who didn't view you as similar to them. So you were really odd man out. Um, and you had friends, but you didn't have a lot of friends. And you also didn't feel like the relationships were very deep. Um, and I tell a story. I went there for nine years. I could count on one hand the number of homes of classmates I went home I went to. And people went to people's homes all the time. By the time I graduated, there were people who came after me. So they'd been there maybe six years, four or five years, and people thought they were students there longer than I was. Yet I had been there since the fourth grade. So, um, but again, I felt like I even had better relationships and interactions with some of the same people. And it might even lend itself, it might've been less about them and more about me. So maybe it might not have been anything they did. But it may have been more about me just having the confidence just to be who I am. And once I did that, it's been so much easier to foster relationships. Any other uh, any other stories or mm-hmm. things that you want to share before mm-hmm. we wrap it up? Things that um, you want to put on the record? Put on the record. About Wesleyan? Um, there's just something to be said about other Wesleyan graduates. Whether you were here with them or not, it's just an instant connection um, about this place. And just reminiscing and... Uh, and just, I just remember once, even sometimes people know Wesleyan graduates and just get us. Uh, I was in San Diego once on vacation. I was running along, uh, like this, along the beach, basically along this path, along the beach. And this guy stops me, this older gentleman stops me. Cause I'm wearing a Wesleyan t-shirt or sweatshirt. You went to Wesleyan? I was like, yeah. And he said, he either went to Williams or Amherst. He's like, the only people I like hanging out with down here from the little three are the Wesleyan grads. I can't stand the other ones. And it was just so interesting that there's just something. So he had, it wasn't that it was just, he thought that, but he thought to even stop me and tell me. So I just thought that was just really interesting and very telling. And uh, I've always been fortunate to have some friends who are Wesleyan grads in any city I've lived in. Um, even when I lived in Cincinnati, I reached out and met people who um, were, you know, Wesleyan grads, even though it's such a small you know, place for Wesleyan grads to be located. So, yeah. And you live now in New York? I live now in New York. Right. So we're a ton of Wesleyan grads. You know, I live around so many Wesleyan people and I now live in a complex where I talk to people who grew up there and like, oh yeah, I met multiple people who've grown up in my apartment complex. So I'm like, go figure. Who are Wesleyan grads? Very nice. Well, I think that's 
That was Michael Lewis, class of 2003. The Wesleyan Storytelling Project is an opportunity for alumni to share their memories of Wesleyan with each other and the wider community. To record your own story or to suggest someone we should invite into the booth, visit westconnect.wesleyan.edu storytelling.